Welcome to the Insurance Exam Podcast. I'm going to be sharing with you four sample lessons for the Property Casualty Insurance Exam. These four sample lessons are just four of the 24 audio lessons that make up the full Property Casualty Insurance Exam audio lessons course. The full course is 10 hours and 18 minutes in total length. And if you find these sample lessons valuable, please go to the website, insuranceexampodcast.com, and purchase the full bundle of audio lessons. Now let's get on to the sample lesson for today. This is the Property Casualty Insurance Exam Audio Lessons. This is lesson number four, insurance coverage part one. Welcome to this lesson about the property and casualty insurance exam. Today, we're going to be talking about a couple of different kinds of coverages that are offered, as well as a bunch of different forms that describe the kind of perils that are covered So there's all sorts of different kinds of forms. So it's a good idea to start getting familiar with those different forms that you're going to be using and the different kinds of coverage that will be offered. At the end, I'll give you a chance to test yourself. You can go back and see if you are ready to move on just in the ways that I've done in the previous lessons. So let's go ahead and get started. So today we are focusing on property insurance. So what is property insurance? What falls under that category? So in this case, property insurance is a kind of insurance that covers owners or renters of a property or structure that covers losses that occur on that particular property. So that's a really important thing to remember. It's only about losses that occur on a particular set of property. So these policies typically have two different sections in them. The first one is called coverages. We'll talk about the second one in another lesson, but it's important to remember there's various subsections in the policy and they're known as coverages. So when we're talking about these subsections, we have sections A, B, C, and D. So coverage A, coverage B, coverage C, and coverage D. So today I'm going to tell you a little bit about each one of those sections so that you can get a better handle on that. Each of these coverages helps you with something a little different. All right, so let's first talk about coverage A. In coverage A, we talk about dwelling coverage. So that covers the house or dwelling and anything that is permanently attached to it. So things like a garage or a patio, something of that nature that is permanently attached to it is considered covered under coverage A. So things that are not attached permanently will have to be covered under coverage B. So coverage B covers other structures that are still in the property, but not attached to the main dwelling. And so 
If you think about it, there's quite a few things that fall under this category, things like sheds or pools or fences, pretty much anything else in that particular category. Okay, then we have coverage C. And coverage C talks about personal property. Personal property being the things that you could move out of the residence if the person is moving, they're going to a new piece of property, they could easily get that out of their residence. That's personal property. It includes also coverage for the insured's guests and employees, as long as the employee is not doing an activity relating to the business of the insured person. Now, personal property can also be covered uh, even when the personal property is not in the person's house, usually up to a certain amount. So that you have the peace of mind that it can be covered even if it's not directly in your house. So that's a good thing to know as well. So that's coverage C. Then finally, we have coverage D. And coverage D talks about paying for reasonable expenses that arise as the result of someone's property needing to be repaired or replaced. So let's say somebody's house caught on fire and it needs to be replaced. And so in this case, they are going to have additional expenses. They're going to have to find somewhere else to live for the time being. They are um, going to have to probably pay for more for food while they're out doing that. Um, there's going to be other incidental expenses such as transportation. Like if you're place where you're now living is farther away from your workplace, you might have to uh, pay more for that. So that's uh, an important distinction to make. And so it, as long as these things are reasonable, then they can be paid for by the insurance. So you can't, of course, put somebody up in the luxury hotel and like give them, you know, gourmet meals, every uh, single meal. So it has to be a reasonable expense. It has to be something where you'd say, okay, this is not extravagant. You're just paying for what you need to get by while your house is being repaired or replaced. So those are those four coverages. So A is the dwelling and the permanent structures. B are the other structures that are still in the property but not attached. C is the personal property. And D are reasonable expenses while something is being repaired or replaced. So in order to be eligible for a homeowner's policy, a building has to be only used as a residence. So there are some exceptions that are included under incidental occupancy, such as having an in-home studio that you work out of. So these buildings have to have four or fewer family units in order to be covered. Second residences or residences under construction can also be considered as eligible, but farms are not covered under this kind of insurance. There are several, there are seven different types of personal property policies for homeowners insurance, and they are called HO1, HO2, HO3, HO4, HO5, HO6, not HO7, but HO8. HO7 is not there. So I'm going to briefly go over what each one of these means. So we have the 
easily removed from the house if the current owner moves. So it's nothing that's permanently attached to the property. It also includes coverage for the insured's guests and employees as long as the employee is not doing an activity relating to the business of the insured person. Now, personal property can be covered even when it's not in the person's house, so it's somewhere else, usually up to a certain amount. So your personal property under these kinds of policies are usually covered even if they're not at the moment on your property. Now, finally, we have coverage D, and that talks about paying for reasonable expenses that occur when a person's residence is being repaired or rebuilt. So accommodations that are made to help that person in the meantime. This can include things like paying for alternate lodgings, so you have to put them up in a hotel or something like that, paying for food, the meals that they need, and for any additional transportation expenses incurred. So let's say they work really close to where they usually live, but their house is being repaired, and so they have to live in a hotel across town, and so they have to pay more money in order to get to work. Their transportation costs go up, and so there can be some discussion of covering that. There are limits as to how much is covered, however, and the expenses do have to be reasonable. So it's okay to put them up in a hotel regularly, usually, but you're not going to go and say, hey, let's put them up in a five-star luxury hotel. That's unreasonable. That is more than is necessary. It doesn't have to be a one-star hole in the wall, but it also can't be an unreasonable expense. So the other section has to do with casualty, and we'll, we'll talk about that at a different time. So just remember, these are the kinds of coverages that are going to be talked about in a policy that covers somebody's property. So in order for a building to be eligible for a homeowner's policy, it has to be used only as a residence. So it can't be some sort of multi-purpose building. So the building, if it's a homeowner's policy, has to be only a residence, though there are some exceptions under certain uh, incidental occupancies, such as having an in-home studio that you work out of. So let's say you are a painter and you have a studio in your home and that is actually your place of employment. You could get an exception for that. So these buildings that are covered by a homeowner's policies have to have four or fewer family units in order to be covered. Second residences or residencies under construction can also be eligible depending on the type of coverage. But farms are not covered under this kind of insurance. They have their own categories of insurance. So a farm itself is not covered under homeowner's insurance. So there are seven different kinds of personal property policies, homeowner's insurance, and they are called HO1, HO2, HO3, HO4, HO5, HO6, and HO8, not HO7. So that's a good thing to remember. <laughs> One through six and then eight. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what each one of these forms is specifically for, because it's a little bit different for each one of these particular forms. So the H01 form is called the Named Perils Only Policy. This means that only the actual residence is covered unless the policy specifically names the personal property. So it, this part does not cover personal property unless it is explicitly added to it. It does cover perils like smoke, wind, fire, lightning, vehicles, including aircraft. So if a plane hit your property, 
civil disturbances, riots, vandalism, explosions, etc. It also, in, but it excludes floods and earthquake damage. So this kind of coverage is actually not often used anymore, where it doesn't specifically cover the person's personal property, but it's good to know that that is what an HO1 form is. So then we have the, the HO2 form, and that is called the named, named perils policy. It covers a dwelling, the personal property in the dwelling, and provides liability insurance. If a peril is not named, it is not going to be covered. So you have, it does have a list of the things that it is going to cover. It does cover damage caused by ice and snow, by falling objects, frozen pipes, overflowing water from a vehicle damaging a property, smoke damage, and so on. So that, that's a named perils policy. You have to actually see the peril named in the policy for it to be valid. Then we have an HO3 form, and that's called an all perils policy. So unless a peril is excluded, then it is covered, making this a very broad coverage option. Personal property is also covered on a named peril basis. Even this kind of coverage, however, does have some exclusions, just like every kind of coverage. Every kind of coverage has some sort of exclusion. So some of the exceptions include theft or vandalism, when the building is vacant or under construction. Some things can also then be endorsed, so you add that additional coverage for an additional premium. So, But overall, it's a pretty broad uh, definition of coverage to begin with. Then we have the HO4 form, and that is used for people who want to rent a dwelling. It is a named perils policy, so it only covers the things that it actually names. It covers both the tenant's personal property and protects the tenant from unintentional damage that they cause. So the tenant accidentally does something that damages the landlord's property. It can cover them from being liable for that. They can, it will go ahead and fix the damage that was done because it was unintentional. The HO5 form is also for people who want to rent or lease a dwelling. It's an all-perils policy that also covers personal property and unintentional damage. So unless the peril is excluded, then it will be covered. So that's just the difference between 4 and 5. It's the different level of coverage for renters or leasers. Then we have an HO6 form that's used for those who own condos or cooperative units. It covers the owner's portion of their responsibility for all the units, and it covers the tenant's personal property and unintentional damage by the tenants. It is a named perils policy. So that's if you own multiple units or a condo, you would carry this kind of coverage. And then finally, we have an HO8 form, and that's called the Modified Coverage Form. It is also a named perils only. So we talk about the two sections that you'll see in these policies and the different coverages. So how many different kinds of coverages are there in a typical policy that you want to discuss? So in this case, we have coverage A, B, C, and D. So there's four different kinds of coverages that you should discuss. So what is 
Coverage A. What does that have to do with? So in this case, this is the coverage for the actual dwelling. It's the permanent structures, the housing or dwelling itself, and anything directly attached to it like a garage or patio. And also the things that provide utilities such as plumbing and electrical equipment. Those are all covered under coverage A. How is that different from coverage B? So coverage B, instead of talking about the permanent structures on the property that are attached to it, it talks about the other structures that are still on the property, but are not attached to the main dwelling, like a shed, a pool, a fence, playground equipment, something like that. That's coverage B. And how are those two things different from coverage C? What does coverage C cover? And finally, what is coverage D? What does that cover? So coverage D just covers other incidentals, reasonable expenses that occur when a person's residence is being repaired or rebuilt. There's some sort of loss, you know, the roof caves in, they have to repair their house before they can go back and live in it. And so, of course, they're going to incur other expenses such as getting a hotel, getting having to eat out, having to provide different kinds of transportation. And so as long as these expenses are kept within a reasonable amount, then they can be covered under coverage D. So my next question is, what is the main requirement for a building to be eligible for a homeowner's policy? So in this case, the homeowner's policy is given to a building if it is being used only as a residence. There are some exceptions to this included under incidental occupancies, such as having an in-home studio that you had just happened to work out of. My next question is, what are the names of the seven different kinds of personal property policies that you might run into? So you have the HO1 policy, HO2, HO3, HO4, HO5, HO6, and HO8, not HO7. So keep that in mind. So what is covered under an HO1 form? So an HO1 form is a named perils only policy. That means only the actual residence is covered and not the personal property. It covers a lot of things, but usually excludes flood and earthquake damage. And it's honestly not done very often anymore. So how is an HO2 policy different? 
So an HO2 policy is a named perils policy. It covers the dwelling, your personal property, and gives you liability insurance. If a peril is not named, however, it is not going to be covered. So it is a named perils policy. It covers damage by a variety of different things, including smoke and vehicle damage, water damage, falling objects, frozen pipes, and so on. My next question is, what is an HO3 form? How is that different? So an HO3 form is an all-perils policy. Unless a peril is excluded, then it is covered, making this a very broad coverage option. Personal property is covered on a named peril basis as well. Though there are some exclusions like theft and vandalism. Though if it's not on there, then it can usually be added with an endorsement for an additional premium. My next question is, what is an HO4 form? Who uses the HO4 form? So these are used for people who want to rent a dwelling, and this is a named perils policy, and it protects both the tenant's personal property and protects the tenant from liability for unintentional damage that they cause. How is that different from an HO5 form? The HO5 form is also for people who are leasing or renting, and it's an all-perils policy that covers both personal property and unintentional damage. My next question is, what is the HO6 form, and what is that used for? So that's just used for people who own condos or cooperative units. It covers the owner's portion of their responsibility for the units and then covers the tenant's personal property and unintentional damage by the tenants as well. It's why named perils policy like some of the others. And finally, what is the HO8 form? What does that cover? So in this case, it ensures the owner-occupied dwelling when the cost of replacing the property would be much greater than the current value of the property. It's called a modified coverage form. Well, what this means, though, is that the property is destroyed. The insurance company can replace it, but they reserve the right to create a very basic replacement and not the exact copy of what used to be on that land. So they, they'll build your house back, but... It probably won't be as nice as the original house if you have this kind of coverage. My next question is, how do you insure a mobile home? How can you go about doing that? So in this case, you can get a standalone mobile home package 
or you can insure them by adding endorsements to the HO2 or HO3 forms. Both of those ways will work. And finally, we have inland marine coverage. What is inland marine coverage? So it doesn't just have to do with shipping anymore in ships. It has to do shipping of all kinds. So it covers things that are in transit that are valuable. So what are the different kinds of this coverage that you can apply for? My next question is, what are the four different ways that you can determine the loss valuation? So how much is needs to be paid out for a specific claim? So in this case, you have the actual cash value, which is the price of the item minus depreciation, the replacement value, the cost to repair or replace the item, the current retail cost. We have the stated or agreed value. That's just a flat agreed amount to replace the thing, regardless of its appreciation or depreciation. Next, we have the valued policy that says you get a stated amount for things that are a total loss. And that is all for our lesson for today. Thank you very much for listening. So we have personal property, commercial property, domestic shipping, imports and exports, instrumentalities of transportation and communication as well. And that is all for our lesson for today. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this sample lesson useful and valuable. If you did, and if you want to purchase the full bundle of audio lessons, please go to insuranceexampodcast.com. There you will find both the property casualty, the life, health, and various other audio lessons that might help you prepare for a career in the insurance industry or the financial services industry. Best of luck in your studies.